Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and I'm joined by two, I'm going to guess, very relieved podcast regulars. Uh, this week we have Dan Lambert and Micah Chudley joining us. So welcome guys. Hello Alex. Good evening. Yep, so uh, Micah and Dan here to run the rule over everything QPR. So let's start with the elephant in the room or... You could say perhaps it's a wolf dressed up as an elephant in the room, if you will. <laughs> Terrible analogy there. Uh, and do forgive us because we're probably, you know, get a few things off our chest. We're not quite sure. Or we weren't quite sure up well. until about, like, what, one thirty this afternoon, what was happening. Yeah. Um, but the news I'm obviously talking about is Bill not now going to Wolves. This has been an interesting couple of days. Let's take you right back to the start. Um, I can't quite remember where these rumours came from exactly, but I guess the first time it became serious was when he went top of the sky bet odds, which was conveniently the first time when he went top of the odds for our position back in the summer. That was the first time it got serious with him Back then, up until that point, it was Liam Manning in the running for our job. So similar circumstance. And all of a sudden, our manager is linked with the Wolves job. So when this news kind of first broke, did you believe it at all? Or did you sort of think this is all a bunch of nonsense? Uh, I guess I kind of took it uh, with a pinch of salt. I didn't think it was like beyond the realms of like the possible that somebody would come in for him because obviously he does have such a big reputation. And honestly, I think it's been enhanced by Aston Villa's start to the season. It's just kind of made him look better as a coach. Um, so I thought it would be something Wolves would like explore or whatever names they'd be interested in. But obviously, as things developed, it was obviously a little bit more than, um, than interest, as I'm sure we'll get on to. Dan, what was your thoughts when you first heard about this because I guess it was it around just prior to the Luton match yeah yeah I think so um in terms of the betting odds I wasn't really that concerned I mean betting odds don't really mean anything in terms of um managerial appointments it was probably more more the point when the reports kind of started to pick up where there was probably more worry than than kind of optimism but um no in terms of the early the kind of early parts i wasn't wasn't too worried to be honest yeah because early on in it like, there wasn't really much suggestion apart from those betting odds that he would um potentially move on from us and take the job at wolves i think when you get david ornstein tweeting about it <laughs> i think that's when we all sort of collectively kind of start to worry wasn't it definitely yeah Definitely. Uh, yeah. So serious journalist starts tweeting about it. Um, the one thing that interests me, and maybe I'm looking too much into it, but with some managerial appointments, when it first gets mentioned, it kind of the wording is a bit different. Sometimes you get it where like they know already that this person's going to take the job, basically. And it, and and that it's kind of worded towards that. 
if you look back at the way that it was always been said, it was wolves are interested, wolves are interested. Um, and it was sort of, if he takes the job, he will be in place by this Saturday. Wolves are expected to move quickly on this. What, the difficult thing that I, I'm thinking of right now is, what do we think his interest really was in this? Was it because he's went and spoken to them? Do we think he was, he has been talked down by Les Ferdinand? Did or... he speak to them? Because I, I think he, I think um, it was reported that he spoke to them, but I think other sources have said that there wasn't a conversation. He sort of didn't want to speak to them at all. Yeah, it's kind of murky, isn't it? Because one report and it, you know. I always find this website very hit and miss. I think it's 90min.com basically said that he was signed, sealed, agreed to go up there and Les Ferdinand talked him down. So, you know, we're trying to piece together things here that are sort of all over the place. But that website, I'd, I don't entirely trust. Micah, you're making an interesting face right now. No, no, because I, you're right, because it's really murky. I'm trying to piece together everything that's happened in the past 24 hours. There was obviously, he said that there was a conversation, an honest conversation with um, Les on Tuesday, mm -hmm. I think he said. And then in the interview that's come out on the club website today, he said they had another conversation last night or something, and there was some advice and guidance and whatever. Um, but I don't think it's ever been said that he spoke to Wolves at any point. Right. But I, I might be wrong. Yeah. That's, I think he was, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that, Dan, was there not something earlier on today saying that he was going to speak to them at some point this afternoon? Uh, I th yeah, I think there might have been, but I think that was based on the, the approach from Wolves, uh, which I think, as Micah said, I think he, he kind of denied the, the approach once they, they made it, um, but I'm not 100%, 100% sure on that. Yeah. Like we said, it's all very murky and... Yeah. You won't. You don't find out what really happened in these situations. Certainly not until people start writing books. Uh, and I think we're about twenty years off from that, so there's not really much interest there. But let's. How disappointed would you have been if he took this job? Or is disappointed? Uh, am I putting words in your mouth there? Would you have been happy if he left? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been over the moon. Now, I'd. Um, I think as a QPR fan. I would have been distraught because I think he's really taken the team up a gear from from where we were definitely for the second half of last season. I think as a football fan as well, it would have been just sort of quite sad to see that, you know, the, the, the little guy, that kind of narrative, you know, we hire a manager, Premier League club comes in after 15 games and, you know, the manager can't say no. So as a football fan, it would have been quite sad to see uh, as well. I'll, yeah, I'll say it like that. Dan? Yeah, I think, no, I think I'd think i have definitely been disappointed. I think I think he can be a, quite a big asset for us. Um, obviously, we don't know how long he'll, he'll be here for. Um, but you can already see from, what, 15 games, um, he's a coach with very good tactical now, well, for me at least. Um, and he's well respected within within um the game from fellow fellow managers coaches. Um, <clears throat> probably anyone you speak to will, will say something good about him. So, no, I think the fact that he's um staying can only be great news for us. 
Yeah. Um, again, we, we with it being so murky, we're not quite sure how this has sort of come about, but he's suddenly sort of shot to the top of this list of potential managers for Wolves. Um, apparently they had two separate lists, one domestic managers and foreign managers based elsewhere. You know, if this is his agent and stuff putting things about to a certain extent, I guess that's how just how sort of things work in football. That's how the game is played. But bear in mind the interview he's done this afternoon with the club, the fact that he's turned this down. Does it fill you with any confidence that he's going to be sticking around for the whole season? Or is there anything that's sort of slightly worrying you that at this stage he's someone that is representing him, whether that's with instruction from him or not with the what not with Beale's blessing, is putting his name out there for other positions when really 15 games into his managerial career, he should be focusing on the job that he's got right now. Either one know, of you. It's a, it's, a it's an interesting one. I guess I um hadn't really thought of it from that perspective. Um, you know, he, he's got a big reputation. Um, he's got a big reputation in the game. I think he said last night while he was uh, up in Scotland with Rangers, turned down like seven or eight jobs, something like that. Um, some, I, I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but then on, on the flip side, you could say like guys with a reputation that high, you know, sometimes the job offers come to them. Sometimes they don't have to go looking for them. I mean, like did not only has he got good pedigree here, but he's managed in Brazil. Um, he speaks Portuguese. So that opens him up to countries all around, all around the um, teams all around the world. Sorry. And um even in this country with the amount of foreign players, especially a lot of players coming from the Primera Liga in uh, in Portugal, it's, you know, an attractive proposition, especially for Wolves, I imagine, with, you know, the Portuguese contingent they have there. So, you know, it, it could be, it could, that could be the case. And, you know, if that is the case and so be it, maybe that's football today, but it could also be the case he's just a really sought-after manager. So, yeah, Dan, take Micah's point there that, you know, we've got a sought-after manager. And is this just us QPR fans not being used to this? You know, we yeah. usually we sack our managers or they just leave when their contract expires. I think Clive Whitnam, in his preview of last night's game, said that the last time a manager's actually been wanted from QPR is probably going all the way back to Ian Holloway when he was on gardening leave and stuff like that. And did was he really wanted or not? And that's... You know, we were all incredibly young at the time. We <laughs> children when that happened. So all the managers that have come since, you know, we no one's really been interested in taking them off our hands. Is this just a bit of an overreaction from us QPR fans? Um, I don't know. It's a hard one. I think I think he will. Back to the original question. I think he will um, probably stay the the rest of the season. I think he spoke in the interview about his values or whatever, sticking to kind of the um, the project or whatever he, he said he, he he wanted to join. Um, and I think as as much as he might get other offers from maybe Premier League clubs down the line in this season, I think the fact that he's kind of turned down the Wolves job might might kind of show them that maybe he doesn't really want to, to move ship just yet this season. Um, 
Uh, and he did say it's probably a bit too soon for him to go to the Premier League, regardless of his ambitions. So uh, I think as much as this is probably a rarity for us, I think, or well, I'm hoping more than I think, um, but I, yeah, well, I hope that he will stay um, for at least this this season. Yeah, because I'm going to be honest, if there is someone behind the scenes working on his behalf, like I said, with his instruction or without instruction, putting his name out for, for these things, whether that's just sort of the way football works or not, I'd kind of like it if he's linked with any other job throughout the season, if it's similar level to Wolves, which if you look at what he has been linked with already, the Rangers job, now that's a, a thorny debate. We don't really want to get into what's, you know, how, what is the equivalent of managing Rangers in the Premier League, you know, um, or potentially the Aston Villa job, which could become available very soon. And there's obvious reasons why he's linked to those jobs because he's worked there previously. But if a job similar to this level comes up again and his name starts getting bounded about and it's, you know, in the build-up to games and stuff like that, personally, would it be unrealistic and unfair of me to think that it'd be better for him just to shut it down in the media in some sort of interview, just sort of say, I'm not interested and be very matter-of-fact about it if he genuinely is not interested in it? Or is that me asking a little bit too much of him? Because I, I don't think if, you know, it's flattering after 15 games for him to get this offer. But can we afford in another 15 games time to have these distractions again? Well, yeah. Um, I guess you could say that this did, wasn't much of a distraction because we won 3-0. But um, I see what you're saying. Um, it does. It does feel like a lot of the noise... Um, could have been avoided last night had he just come out and said, look, I'm here for the season. I've signed this contract. Um, I do think the statement he's made today, however, is pretty much to that effect of, yeah, I'm here. I'm, you know, I've built this. I'm here for the season. Um, so hopefully we, we we don't have that situation again. But I mean, you know, Aston Villa is, is a big... I know I know. Potts looks like he's lined up for that job if, if it... Um, if it does go the way it looks like it's going. And Rangers, again, that's a big job in Scotland, and I know he's highly thought of up there. So, you know, there, there's always a potential that these rumours come around, but I do have a feeling that's quite a definitive, definitive statement that he's come out and said today. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident he'll be here till the end of the season. You were pretty confident yesterday anyway. You were claiming to be in the know in our group chat. I did say yesterday he wasn't going, but uh, I can't reveal my sources, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. Talking Just putting it out, all out on the line, yeah? Yeah, you know, these ITKs, you know, it's easy. You just got to say, you just got to say the opposite to what everyone's thinking. If you get 20% right, you're in the know. There we go. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. I've got my, I've got my first one in the bag. Nick Bill stays at QPR. Uh, Dan, would you agree with what Mike has been saying? Not that he's in the know, but what he said about the interview being sort of the definite no for this sort of role. Yeah, I, th I think in the main, yeah. Um, but then uh, he can't really, I suppose on the flip side, he can't really say he's staying for the season because football moves so quickly. Um, 
Uh, as we know, this season, there's been, what, nine, ten championships? I'm not saying he's going to get sacked or whatever, but there's been mo- there's been managerial movement um, within this league many times already, and it's only 15 games in. So uh, I think I think it probably does uh, likely mean that he'll he'll stay for the season, but, you know, it's football. Um, stranger things have happened. Uh, yeah. What about this point that kind of got uh, thrown about Twitter a bit that we sold him a few lies when he was coming in, specifically around yeah. the transfer budget. This seems like utter bollocks to me. Um, but, yeah, you know, still, like, this is this was really weird, surely. No, I saw I somebody tweet this, and it's somebody that I, I am... Um, I do have a, a Twitter kind of friendship with, so I won't call them out because they are a very nice person. They've been very nice to me on several occasions. But I saw somebody tweet, oh, yeah, we did tell some lies about him on the way in. Um, lies to him on the way in so we can't play the loyalty card and then the replies are full of about 20 people asking what were the lies and he's just not said anything back (laughs) it's like well you could just you could just say anything these days like you just say whatever you want people buy it um i don't know i think it's oh for me it did it feels like we always need to stick to bash les and lee with and fair enough people people need to be upset at somebody's fine be be upset at the director of football i do think that the argument this time is quite funny oh you guys hired too good of a manager because now wolves want him like okay we should we have started should we have hired someone that would have had a seventh after 15 games instead so that that nobody would want him should we have done that a nice one yeah uh dan it seems really, you know, stupid to say this, but surely when Bill comes in, he does like the bare minimum of research and realizes that we have like we've only ever spent money on like I don't know, Charlie Austin, was it in the last couple of years? Like the, when we bought him originally, like we, we don't spend money anymore. And the market, as Lee Hughes has said in the fans forum last week, the market for championship clubs buying stuff off each other has evaporated and disappeared there's no money yeah, to I mean, be spent in the championship is there at all so you can't exactly be surprised by what potentially transpires here no i mean um again to reference the interview he did he did say that he knows um we're not the richest club in the in the in the world or in the league I can't remember what he said but so i think he knows on that front and i think he said the club have tried to get him as um as best as what he's what he's asked for. I mean, I mean, admittedly, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen the uh, the stuff on Twitter about about the liars or whatever. So I can't really comment on that too much. But I think uh, he's obviously aware of the, the financial situation of the club. Otherwise, he, he probably wouldn't have come in the first place. Yeah, and in last week when the fans forum was going on, uh, limited thing that I caught from it was actually when he he was talking about the McNamara deal. I think he said that. We put in a couple of very good bids or words to that effect, um, and Millwall knocked him back. And you know, I don't think he's the sort of person to come out and say that if he doesn't actually mean it. So, you know, they're clearly all on the same page on that front, and uh, doubtful that all any lies were told at all. Um, Let's just check through my script here, see if we've got anything else to mention. Yeah, apart from, you know, evil Les doing his job and keeping a manager at his club, 
Oh, God damn it, Les. What are you doing that for? <laughs> um, let's move on then. Luton. Uh, I forgot this game happened. So it does I, happen. I didn't, I also didn't watch it. So I'm going to hand over to you two and hope to God that you two did watch it. You know what I'm going to do? Um, I'm going to actually plug on Dan's behalf because I read um, Dan's analysis of uh, Luton v QPR. Um, and I thought a lot of what Dan said was quite interesting. So I'll let Dan uh, take it away. <laughs> Thank Passing you. Passing the back um, once more again to Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Um, well, I think first, firstly to note is obviously it was a, it was a change in... Well, not changing system, but it was it was a different system, wasn't it? Obviously, uh, Leon Balogun was at was at right back, and although we didn't see much of it, well, yeah, the, assume... exper- <laughs> the experiment ended after like 10 yeah, minutes. after like after like ten yeah ten minutes. It's the first but... tackle, wasn't it? Yeah, to, to add yeah, he, a went, bit he fell on his back. To that, I said to in the group chat before the game, I was like, oh well, you know, Balogun at right back will be interesting, and I think he did, but just before the injury and he came off. He might have been struggling from that blow, but he got beaten down the wing. Just kind of, it looked like he got beaten for pace a little bit. I thought, oh, okay, this this will be interesting. And then five seconds later, he's off. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought. I, I mean, I think we said before when the lineup came out that we were expecting kind of a, a slight change in the way we were going to play, whether that was in possession or build up. Because obviously, we know that Bill likes his his wing backs quite high, and Balogun isn't really that type of player. But in terms of in terms of the game itself, um, we weren't we weren't at the at the races. We we didn't do the basics well, winning second balls, um, duels that kind of Luton and uh, and Nathan Jones kind of thrive off. That's their that's that's their game really. Um, to to their credit, um, their front two were were pretty pretty solid as um, a performance you could get. Really, I thought Carlton Morris was was excellent. Um, they're so they're so good at um, getting knockdowns from those from those long goal kicks, which I think was the uh, the reason for their first goal, which kind of came off that. Um, and yeah, they kind of they're their usual selves. They press you to death. Um, we couldn't really couldn't really build out very well all game. Um, and they did the basics in both boxes and were, were better than us really. Um, in terms of in terms of our weaknesses, I thought our press was real real issue between the um, front three and midfield three. Henry Lansbury had a good game generally, but the amount of times he could receive with time and space on the ball, I think there was one example in the piece I did where he received the ball and managed to play a diagonal to, to the first side of Murray Bell and it was the space was, was mesmerizing really. Um so that was that was a real issue I thought for us, but it wasn't a good game and like Bill said it was a it's something that we kind of have to um write off and bounce bounce onto the next one, which we did. So I was gonna. Oh, oh, sorry. Go on, I was just go gonna on. ask as well because I'm I'm paraphrasing here, so I might have got this wrong. But I do remember something that um you said in the piece is actually something I noticed in the game. So I think you talked about um the, the off ball shape being quite disappointing, and it, yeah. it allowed it allowed Luton into the central areas quite a lot. Um, that's something I'd noticed in the game. I I'd, I'd I'd looked at it as kind of like I felt like we would. Not so much losing the midfield battle, but when the ball was in midfield, it did feel like Luton oftentimes had the upper hand. I think you spoke something about gaining territory as well. Um, 
would, obviously we've got the we'll talk about the Cardiff game, but what what do you think was different in terms of our off ball shape then versus normally? What the 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 loon game? Yeah. Well, I think I think partly partly the the reason for kind of losing the midfield battle was also their wing backs. They play quite deep and build up, and because obviously it was kind of man to man out of possession, we had Powell and um, was it Kaka 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 came on, didn't he? Um, yeah. Those two those two were kind of having to go man to man to to kind of force them force them with with the ball. Um, and my thinking then is you've got the two centre backs against the two two strikers which we lost about all game um and if you leave them too isolated then they're going to win the knockdowns easy so i suppose we probably had to drop the midfield a little bit deeper to um to kind of help help win those win those second balls but in terms of everything else i thought not to uh, pin it just on dykes but usually in when we press the, the striker yeah <laughs> <the>, uh, <laughs> The striker kind of, as well as as well as pressing the front line, has to kind of screen the pivot player, which was Lansbury in that case, and or even even Cher and Roberts to an extent. It was just too easy to kind of play through us. We weren't screening Lansbury well enough, I thought. Um, but the the real the real disappointing thing for me was the distances because when you're trying to squeeze teams and press them better, you need you need your whole whole back line and midfield to kind of go with them. Um, so yeah, that was that was a real weakness of us on on Saturday. So I noticed obviously that uh, Johansson didn't start the game, and I think this is a point brought up by uh, QPR Analytics on Twitter. Um, he pointed to the fact that if you look at who's created chances for us this season, the top four are Chair, Willock, Laird, Johansson. Now, <clears throat> two of them were fit to play that game, and we only played one of them. Was that a mistake? Um, I mean, from a rest point of view, I understand it, especially we, we played three games in a week, a week ago. We'll be playing three games in a week this week. And I think after Birmingham, it will be three games in eight days. So it's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite the fixture pile up in the run up to the World Cup. Um, but I mean, that was evident. It did feel like we were lacking a bit of ingenuity, a bit of creativity, um, I, I personally, I, I like what I've seen of Tyler Roberts so far. I personally prefer him as the false nine, more so as the 10. Um, especially especially in games like that, up against the back three, I don't think he's quite got that, that, that kind of, that, that kind of nous, that creativity that Willock and Chair have. Um, I think his, his way of creating is a little bit different. Um, that being said, um, yeah, I, 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 I did feel, and Dan obviously is going to say it in a more sophisticated way than I could, but I did feel particularly um, the press did let us down. It did feel very just lethargic on Saturday. I know it's a 12.30 kickoff. It felt lethargic, felt lazy. And I think we, we created quite a lot of chances, pressing high and pressing teams, giving them, sort of suffocating them almost. Um, and Johansson, again, is a big part of that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's right. Um, but I think we missed Johansson more than just for his creativity, if that makes sense. That's a really long-winded way to say that. But oh, yeah, that's that's all right. Long-winded answers pads the podcast out a little bit. Um, oh, what was I going to say? The only other thing. Oh yeah, um, Tim and Roberts Dan came in for a bit of stick. Obviously, with a rigaman. Oh, I've said it wrong. Um, sorry. 
Arobinum. Arobinum. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Sounds like Arobinum. Arobinum. Um, he gave away the ball for their the calamitous second goal, which basically sealed the victory for them. Um, it's disappointing because, and I think in our group chat, Ben kind of summed it up quite well. He said that he's 75% a good player. Um, there's obviously a lot of talent there, but as we've said previously, there's moments where he looks a little bit lethargic and a little bit slow with his passing and his passing is a little bit soft and that's kind of how this goal comes about. But Robertson and Tim, uh, you've got two minutes to explain whether they were harshly criticised or not. Yeah, I think think the um, Erebunum bit is kind of interesting. I think we're seeing why he's got a loan move um, to the championship. I think his inconsistency probably is one of his few weaknesses. Um, I don't think you couldn't have you couldn't have not played him after his Reading performance. I thought he was unplayable. Um, for me, it was it was interesting. I thought he him and uh, Field kind of interchanged between the six role at times, and I think that was partly with what Bill was saying in terms of build up. And he said the responsibilities on him because. He wanted us to play through that press, and that was the only way we were kind of gonna um, create chances by by playing through Luton's press. Um, he did he did make some mistakes, and that's that's what is going to happen as a nineteen is he nineteen year old? Uh, yeah, nineteen year old um, player. So I think that's only natural. Um, but I thought he was he was good in moments, but obviously the kind of the losing the ball for the uh, the third goal. Or the second goal, rather, kind of put him in a difficult, difficult situation. So it, it, it's going to take time. It's only he's only played what? Was he how many full full games has he played now? I think um, is it two or three full full nineties. Oh, he played full. I don't know actually. I haven't got the stats. He in played, front of me, he so played I can't a full nineties at Reading, didn't he? It, yeah, you're right. It, it is quite. It's not a, a massive amount so far. No, so I think it's going to take time. In terms of Roberts, I don't know. I thought, I thought the front three had a hard game generally. Anyway, the service wasn't wasn't as what it usually is. Purely on the basis that Luton were they're very good on the day to kind of stop us. Um, people were talking about I think his throwing of arms in the air. I don't really care too much about that. He either cares or he doesn't. You can't really tell uh, from watching on on red button. Um, but no, I think it was it was a day where the whole team weren't really good. Not really. It wasn't really more about the individuals, to be honest. Um, it was collective performance. So uh, it's one we've got to kind of go right off and and beat them at our place. Okay, so um, if you've forgotten that we played against Luton, then you might have also forgotten that we played against Cardiff last night. In and amongst all this chaos, uh, Lyndon Dykes with uh, two. Goals, Micah. You thought that I didn't care. Of course, I cared. It's just the bigger things <laughs> going on. Conveniently, this stat has popped up on Twitter right in front of me. Right when we're going to talk about this, Dykes with four goals in his last three games, only one loss in his last ten for both club and country, averaging a goal every sixty-eight minutes since coming on against Ukraine at Hamden. Sometimes, you know, international call-ups work, I guess. Um, <laughs> nice to see him back scoring goals, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what? If, if, if Dyke scores goals, QPR win games, I'm happy. Um, I said, 
uh, last week on the pod, I said it was nice for him to score Reading and we need to we need him to go on a little run now. Um, I think for me, what I liked most about um, his performance last night was the second goal, because I think we've seen he he had that chance which hit the bar. I think chair put in was it? I think it was chair that put in a nice ball for him, and he's stretching for it and he's hit the bar. Um, I think four or five games ago that happens to Dykes. Um, his head drops, confidence drops, um, but he still he still goes looking for it. And I think with the second goal, that's a real striker's goal. You know, he's right in the six yard box. He's lurking between that, lurking between the uh, the fullback and the centre back. Finds the space, chair cuts it across, taps it at home. Um, that's that's what we need to see him do. You know, um, when he's when he's in form, he's a real handful. Um, so yeah, long, long may it continue. Yeah, um, let's look at the team headlines. Dan obviously injured, and Roberts I think is injured as well. Am I correct in saying that? I think so. Uh, yeah, and then Amos drops out as well. Laird comes back. Johansson, and then young Sinclair Armstrong gets his first start, which was lovely to see. Um, and you know he's his barnstorming run provides us with the chance to go one nil up because he is. Uh, brought down in the most disgusting fashion and it's the clearest of red cards I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm obviously joking. I'm not blind. That was absolutely... I, <laughs> I never thought I'd say this, but this is <laughs> it's an absolutely disgraceful decision, isn't it? I, I never felt bad. That's the type of red card that only happens against us, never for us. Yeah. You know, I, I felt bad watching it back today because I didn't see it in the moment and I, I knew it was an absolute clanger but like geez that it is shocking um, I'm sure it does even itself out but right now it feels you know <laughs> it's, not, it's not very nice is it even if it is happening to Cardiff that isn't a very nice red card to see happen is it I mean it's shocking isn't it Micah we talked at length about red cards and penalties last week I think we're all going to be on the same page this week no, nah, it's not a red. It's not a red, is it? It's not a red card. Nothing. Does it. It's not a red. It's, it's probably not even a foul. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's shocking, isn't it? It's just shocking. It's, <laughs> it shouldn't be because we should all be expecting it. It's a championship referee, of course. What I love. What I love as well is, did you see afterwards when when chair goes to help him up and he's he's like like patting Armstrong on the chair like oh like like he been brought down in the most egregious fashion like yeah well done mate (laughs) I do there is something rather lovely about obviously chair being the senior player there like trying to help him up and (laughs) he needs dykes to help him up as well half his size yeah (laughs) um Dan was this a game decided then by that really poor refereeing decision or is that being way too Harsh on us. I think it definitely changed the game going down with Cardiff going down to ten men. Um, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't take it away from our performance because I thought, I thought compared to Saturday, we we improved in certain areas. We were a lot better, and it was we were dominant on all fronts. Really, um, I think by half time we were we we recorded like an xG of two point something, which has got to be one of the highest in the first um, first half for us this season. Uh, I thought in terms of 
going back to the press, I thought we were a lot better in there and we were better at counter-pressing as well, which kind of sustained our attacks. Uh, there was a few moments where Chair was really good at it um, and we had a few chances in the first half, but now we're winning second balls. We're a bit more direct in that um, four diamond two um, system that we changed to. I thought um, we played off Armstrong and Dykes well, um, won second balls and kind of played off there. So it was a bit more of a direct performance, but it was a good, good first, first 45 at least. Yeah. Um, absolutely dominant first half, second half. Nothing happened, did it, Micah, apart from that goal? Um, and, you know, I would love to ask Kenneth one day, was that a shot or was it a cross? Definitely looking for Dykes at the back post, yeah. didn't he? <laughs> he definitely is. Do you know what, though? I think we said this on the pod a few weeks ago. He can head the ball, can't he? Mm. way was the most surprising of, of like everyone was just shocked yeah this is for a little guy as well it's insane I mean it's a re- it is actually a very even if he doesn't mean it it's a very well placed header <laughs> <laughs> I guess it does kind of show you in the past um particularly under Warburton it's been quite annoying because there's been a lot of sort of nice play but not sort of a lot of end products and sort of just get the ball in the box just goes to show this season we've had a lot of Outside the box goals, we've had a lot of. We've had that goal as well. Just goes to show if you just just put it in that area, you can do, you can have your very nice tactical build up, and you know there's a way to get there. And obviously, I'm not dismissing any of that at all. But when you get to a certain point, it is just about putting the ball in the box and putting it into a dangerous area and just seeing what happens. And I just say as well that that. Um, it, with that in mind, the actual ball from Sam Fields is gorgeous. Yeah. Well, I was going to say about that because he was excellent by all accounts again. And in the second half, when there was not much energy, the one player that had a lot of energy and it was still running everywhere, just tackling anything that moved was Sam Field. So, you know, kudos that's to not, him. But that as one thing that we have said about his game, that he doesn't have that sort of a, attacking pass. I would say that he, if you go back and look at it, the amount of time he's afforded by Cardiff to just to sort of pick out this pass is unbelievable. Like, there's no even... If you talk about sort of dropping deep and putting everyone behind the ball, they were doing that at that point. There was no even... There wasn't a, hesit- a thought of, let's try and close him down. He did a, a one-two with him and I think... the. The commentator says it's Amos, but I think it might be the Zell. I'm not quite sure. They do like this one-two, which is very slow. And eventually he gets the ball back and he pauses and the ball is there to be taken if someone wants to try and like hurry him up a little bit. But he has so much time. Regardless of that, it's a very nice cross. Yeah, and ju- just just with that in mind as well, I, I like talking about the Sandfield performance, it's, it's just become a weekly thing now. Mm. Like, the, the guy is ridiculously good. Um, and it's like an eight out of ten is just a regular occurrence for him. Like it's just it's really great, really great to watch. And it's so much better having him as the one that drops in between the uh center backs mm. and comes and takes the, the ball off um goalkeeper or whatnot, because it allows Johansson to go up further forward and with his sort of energy he can press and harry players um so that is is a much better use of both of those players something that we didn't really pick up on last season i guess but yeah fantastic use of them um 
I don't, is there anything else really to say about the game apart from, you know, excellent first half, kind of quiet second half? We're top of the league. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid to say, isn't it? Because, like, we're top. How how on earth are we top of the league? We don't go top of the league. We don't have people interested in our managers. What on earth is going on? A weird, a weird, weird old time in football. Mm. Do you know what I think? What I like best as well is that I think, um, I think even the even the most diehard QPR fan will admit we did ride our luck at times in the first period, of the season last season. I genuinely feel like we deserve to be here. Like maybe maybe not necessarily top, but we deserve to be in the in the top. I think we've been one of the three, four best teams in the championship this season. So I don't think uh, the league position flatters us, in my opinion, which is even more scary. Uh, Dan, anything else to say about Cardiff? Not really. Uh, oh, yeah, I suppose the only thing was um, to be. Imp- I was quite impressed with the performance of all the kind of noise in the background. I thought I was wasn't quite sure how we were going to kind of go into the game with all the noise with Bill, uh, Bill's future. But um, they certainly certainly were up for the game. Um, so yeah, that's only that's only a good thing from the players. Okay, so uh, we'll move on to the game at the weekend against Wigan. And we have got uh, Barry from the Progress with Unity podcast to come on. And we had a chat with him earlier on. So that is what you're going to be hearing next. Right, so uh, now for the Wigan perspective, I'm joined by Barry. Uh, Barry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here. Lovely. So we'll get straight into it. Um, Obviously, back in the Championship this season after, what was it, two seasons in League One, was it? Um, Yes. I remember at the time of relegation in that sort of COVID-impacted season, it was it was horrible to watch what was happening to you guys. So what? where's the club now? New owners, hopefully some better news for you guys. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's been a bit of a, a furry sale, really. Like you said, we, we got deducted 12 points in the championship and it relegated us on the last day of the season. We drew one apiece with Fulham when we were winning one nil, and they got a free kick, which never were. I mean, these these are the outbreak stories, aren't they? That that occur, and I think the guy who smashed it in, it was his first goal for Fulham. He'd never scored a free kick before, and he's never scored one since. So that's just the way it goes. But we we ended up in in League One. Um, everybody left apart from Liam Richardson, who stood tall and, and guided us through. With all the players left, with the kids playing each week and a couple of journeymen, we signed Will Keane who came in, he wasn't 100% fit, nobody else wanted him, and he came in for 1,500 quid a week, um, and he's still with us today. But that season was very difficult, because not because the football was rubbish and we were losing, but we thought there was a real, realistic chance of us losing the club. That's how we all, I think at one stage we were a couple of weeks away from going to the wall completely, um, and it was heartbreaking. So... Whatever happens after that, you just relish, don't you? You know, it, it doesn't matter what comes next. We got the club. The new owners came in in April. Uh, they're a Bahraini consortium. Talal Halamad, who is an absolute crackpot, he's, he's a wonderful guy. He's art and soul Wigan Athletic. Um, 
he comes over quite regularly to watch the games. He goes around people's houses, has a brew with them, knocks on the door, can I come in? I'm your chairman, etc. Fantastic, great story. Uh, but one thing what they, they did say when they took over the, the, the club was they're not going to pump millions of pounds into it. They're not going to throw money at it because that's how clubs end up in trouble. Mm. It has to be done in a sustainable way. And we've set a couple of schemes up. We've got something called the Belief Fund now that it's like a membership scheme. You pay 18 quid a month and you can say where your money goes. Uh, you've got three options, sports science, the first team or the academy. And a lot of people have chosen the academy because we've got a good academy and uh, we see that as our future. So that's that's a really good footing uh, going forward. Um, the, the problem... Well, not said a problem, but one of the the things, um, one of the the, the um, knock-ons of of that not pumping money in came this summer when we, you know, we won the league last year, um, making the step up, was perhaps a lack of transfer fund. Um, so we didn't bring. We I think we've only bought one player this summer. We've only paid money for one player, and that was um, Scully from from Lincoln City, who's had fifteen minutes as a sub so far and that's all, all we've seen from him and the rest were brought in on free transfers or or loans um but you know I, I it's something that i like that because we're doing it the right way you know we've we, we know we don't get massive crowds we can't pay can't pay our way that way we you know our t- average is about ten thousand. so you've got to you've got to box clever and mm. I, I would never want to see our club go through that administration period again it it uh it was horrendous um and i feel for any club that's in that position uh for the supporters because we're a community club and, and it just means so much to the community so to answer your question <laughs> to 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 win the league and get back into the championship it, it just feels brilliant um it, it does we had a good when we got relegated we had a good team uh that probably could have pushed on the season after for aiming for the playoffs, that got ripped apart. So it's like we've rebuilt now. Now, I'm not saying we've got a good team that's going to push for the playoffs. Definitely not. But I'm hoping that at least we'll stop up this season and we can do a little bit of building uh, next summer and bring one or two more quality players in. Yeah, sounds good. So uh, you had a really positive start to the season. A couple of um, eye-catch results, drawing with Norwich and West Brom, beating... Luton and Huddersfield as well, you know, teams that are all up there at the moment or were up there last season. But October does seem to be a bit of a tough month so far. So any particular reason for a change in form? Um, it's difficult. Um, our away form has been outstanding. Last season, that one was the title. Incredible away form. And again, this season, it's been very good. I think we're still top of the away league um, in, in the championship. So that, that speaks volumes for, for the way we play away from home. Uh, uh, what we need to do is sort of get that that form, you know, converted at home. And, and put in, we've won one game at home all season. I think we've lost three. Well, I know we've lost three. We've took uh, a 3-1 defeat to Cardiff, 5-1 by Burnley. And, and then on Wednesday evening, we lost um, against Middlesbrough, a team that we've only ever beaten twice anyway. So I knew that was going to be a bit sticky. But... The way that that we fell apart was a little bit worrying. Uh, I think the management team have have, have tried to um, do something a little bit different this season. Last season, we could you could name the team every week because you knew who was going to be in it, you know, and and that consistency stayed with us all the way through. 
this this season, because the games have been coming thick and fast over the past few weeks, we've been rotating a little bit and also changing the formation round. And I don't think it suits us. Um, I don't know if it's been a necessity through lack of fitness or through injury problems, but some of the decisions that you you, you know you, you're questioning why such a body not playing was this player how come he's playing up front you know and it's just maybe it it's um that trying to find that consistency in results rather than consistency in players and i think i don't think it's working and usually liam richardson isn't a tinker man but he's been tinker, tinkering this this past past month and it's it's definitely not worked Right. So last night, obviously you mentioned it, the four-one loss. Is was there tinkering going on there? Is there any particular reason that? I mean, you took the lead, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We we changed the team around from Sunderland slightly. We was three at the back at, at, away at Sunderland. Um, we've been three at the back the previous game against Blackburn, who we beat. Uh, so Sunderland away, we went one 0 up and we was winning one 0 at half time. And I thought it's nailed on a win, uh, but we seemed to fall apart in the second half. Um, and last night, again, we went a goal up. I think Middlesbrough came at us a little bit. I understand Michael Carrick was in the stands watching, and I think the, the players probably raised the game slightly. They came mm. at us a little bit, but uh, we didn't seem to be in, in, in any danger. Um, we went a goal up, Wilkin scored um, from a corner. We hit the crossbar as well. Uh, and it, it was just one of them where you, you look at, I looked at the clock and it was 43 minutes. I thought, get to half time now and, and you know, we'll, we'll turn it around. We'll keep it going in the second half and, and we'll get a, another own win. Uh, but uh, Middlesbrough cleared the lines with a big boot up field and Jack Watmore, who is an absolute dreamboat of a player, centre back, class, never makes an error, did make an error. <laughs> he went to stretch for a ball, he missed it completely. What more were through? I mean, he's like lightning, that lad. You know, he's, mm. he, he, he is. Um, he were through, squirted the ball into the centre. Uh, the little wing back had uh, made his way into the box and just side footed into the back of the net. One apiece, stroke of half time. And the players' heads went. They come out in the second half. What more? Who you, you're thinking this boy's going to play in the Premier League? He come, he come to, to pass last night in the second half. But all the defence was doing the same. It's just like the Reds went. I don't know what it was, whether it was, here we go again, we're at home, we're not going to win the game. You know, that's the psychological effects of it. The psychological effects of it, um, I'm not too sure. Um, But yeah, he made a lot of substitutions as well last night. He brought Callum Wang on, who's been out for four weeks injured. He only lasted 10 minutes and he was back off again. You know, so th- there were th- there were things happening within that game. Um, it was very, very, very disappointing. And there was a lot of booze ringing out, which I found a little bit distasteful. That's not. Was... That's never a nice thing, is it? I don't believe in booing no. your own players. No, you can't do that. No. Well, yeah, sig- signaling out, signaling out players and giving them stick, and and there was um, calls for the manager to get sacked as well, saying he's out of his depth, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I was on the local radio station last night and they re- read a tweet out to me that somebody put uh, Richardson needs to go. <laughs> oh, I stopped myself from swearing in response to it. I have no idea. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's disgraceful, isn't it? Yeah. You know, well, you, we, we've talked already about loyalty on your podcast. I mean, there's a, a lot to be said for just keeping a team together, isn't there? And keeping 
the player, the, the manager on side? What what what's the point of upsetting the apple cart? Well, how, how can how could you sack Liam Richardson? I mean, yeah. you, you go back to that that administration season that I talked about. Everybody left. He didn't. He's, but he had job offers. He had them. He had several job offers, not just one. He could have walked out, but he stayed. He was he, he was the man with the keys that used to lock the place up at the night. <laughs> he did everything. He, he took the kit home and washed it because there was nothing in administration with nothing. There was yeah. there was him. He was he was working as director of football. He was working as manager, first team coach, psych, you know, the, the 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 player liaison guy. He was everything. He led from the front, and he never shirked once his responsibility. Faced up to the cameras, we got done three times five nil at home that season. Uh, by Rochdale did us five nil at home. We went down, you know. So, but he, he still faced the cameras, and he was always positive and and talking about the club and how it meant to him. The following season. He takes us up as champions. Uh, during that season, Charlie White collapses in, in training with a, a cardiac arrest. Liam Richardson's first man on, on the scene starts CPR. I mean, and, and people are then talking about getting rid of him, sacking him. You know, you, you might turn around and say, well, yeah, what's that got to do with being a championship manager? Well, it's got a lot because it shows the metal of the man. It shows mm. his character. And to be honest, you, you don't go away to places like Norwich and Luton and Huddersfield and Birmingham and get results if, if you're not tactically astute, if you don't know what you're doing. So there are, there are mitigating circumstances. We've not recruited well in the summer because we didn't have a lot of money to, to splash around. There's a lot of talk about he wanted to bring certain players in that we couldn't get because of the finances. So it's not, you know, down to Richardson's lack of ability at all. We have to realise who we are and what we are. We're Wigan Athletic with a, an own base of, of 10,000 supporters uh, who can't afford to splash out big money and we've got to do it the hard way. And I think the supporters throwing this fits of the toys at the pram isn't, isn't especially what we've been through you know what we've been through surely as a club we should realize as much more than anybody else what it means to have a football club and stick together and i think that's the only way that we will survive this season if we all stick together um because it is a tough tough league without any shadow of a doubt yeah absolutely well that's i mean that was spot on i mean you can't can't get better than that to be honest um it sounds like he's a really decent guy and first-hand experience of knowing that in the championship it is so hard to actually pick out a good manager there's not a lot of i mean maybe there is a lot of talent out there but we're not aware of it but the names that always come up when a manager is sacked is uh uninspiring let's say at yeah. best um well, so how do you that... rate your chances of staying up this season uh, well, before the season started, I th I thought realistically we're looking about 18th, and um, I'd take that. I'd snatch your hand off for 18th, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's a bit it, as you see the games. It's as though anybody can beat anyone. You know, we could come down to your place with our away form and pull a pull a result out. I'm not saying we are going to do, but it, it it wouldn't be that surprising because this is what's happening all over this division. Um, I mean. Like you look at Borough last night, one point away from home, and they come to us, you know, and they've lost five games, and and they look they look like uh, a, a team going for the playoffs. Uh, it's just, it's a strange, strange league. Uh, I don't want us to fall into that bottom three. That's the the main thing. We keep our heads up of water, and I think we'll be fine. It gives us something to to battle on for. It gives us something to cling on to. On to. But I do believe we need to turn that home form round. 
We do absolutely, and I think supporters have got a, a a big part to play in that as well. And we've our club motto now is believe, and we've always that as add that as our motto: believe. And it did as well in the Premier League. It did as well the season when we won the FA Cup. That was the big motto. We've got it. We've got it again, and we've got to believe. We've got to believe that we can stay in this division. That that we can pick enough points up. Um, there's some good teams down there at the moment. When you look at it, isn't it? I mean, I don't think. Coventry are, are, are a bad side that no. that the results have, have, have painted so far, and they're going to come good. You look at West Brom; they're certainly they're going to come good as well. You know, so it's um, it's going to be difficult, but I, I, I do think that uh, we can. I think this is going to be one of them anomaly seasons where all three promoted clubs are going to stop up you know, right. ourselves, Sunderland and Rotherham. But I think it's going to be difficult. But I, I, I still believe that we'll do it. Okay. After all, it's only October anyway, isn't it? You know, <laughs> you know, we're, we're the it long feels like so much of the season has gone already and there's going to be there's games that just come thick and fast. I mean, it's a cliche to say that in the Championship anyway, but because of this season with the World Cup in between, they're squeezing games in where they can. And it feels like you've, when you look at it, you feel like there's so much done. And you look at oh, it, it only started a couple of months ago. This is ridiculous. Like, okay. um, And so who from your group of players who's the player that we need to us QPR fans should be worried about looking out for this Saturday that's going to cause us a few issues well uh, our top scorer of course he, he spent a little bit of time with yourselves Will Keane um, he just his, his turn of form last season was something else he, uh, he's never been a prolific goal scorer during his career but he won the, the golden boot in League One uh, our top scorer and so far this season, he's got six. So, you know, for a team in, in I think we're 17th at the moment. So a team in 17th, be a striker on six goals is, is quite good. So Kino, definitely Kino. Um, good, great feet in and around the box. And he, he's, he knows where the goal is. Um, he's, he's trying to work out who's going to be playing, to be honest. Um, I mentioned uh, Jack Watmore. Um, he's a, a good player to watch, but to, to see a little bit of quality. Uh, I just hope he gets over Wednesday night's performance, uh, which he, he wasn't his best. But, I mean, we love him. He was our player of the season last season. He's got quality written all over him. Um, he, he's a good player. I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, the pace in QPR because we don't have a lot of pace in, in, in our side. So I'm a little bit worried about that. But I think we'll, we'll revert to the three at the back with wing-backs to try and counter that a little bit. And obviously we've got James McLean who who always gives his all for for, for the cars. Um and I know fans love to get on his back a little bit. Um so uh, most of the time it's out of order, but I, I you know, if you, you I know what happens there with that. But um so he's definitely one to look out for. I'm not sure who'll play centre forward for us, whether it'll be Charlie White or Josh McGuinness, uh, but either of those two, whichever one plays, I think it's probably going to be Josh McGuinness on Saturday, to be honest. Whichever, but if it is, either of them will give you uh, your, your centre-backs a bit of a torrid time because it's quite physical. And, mm. and the team is quite physical as well. We, we are a very physical team uh, and we will get stuck in. Okay. So that's something, something to look forward to. <laughs> I mean, you've already mentioned Will Keane that when he was playing for us, we didn't really think he would be on to much to be honest um like you said injuries but i guess he came to us quite early in his career uh the other player in your squad that qpr fans will remember is jordan cousins another player that kind of we signed him after 
a really good performance in the last game of the season when he was playing for Charlton. Um, if, and I think everyone around the ground left thinking, yeah, let's go sign him for next season. We did, and then never he never really sort of hit those heights. So how's he fitted in with you guys? Well, he's been he's been out injured for most of his time with us, to be honest. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Wednesday was his first game of the season. Uh, he got injured pre season. He, he 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 I think he played the first ten games last year, then he then he got um an hamstring. He tore his hamstring away at Bolton and he was out until spring and then he he, he uh, came back in at the back end of the season. Uh and then he got injured again in, in pre season. But he, he is, he's a good player. He's, I mean, we play with two defensive midfielders sat in front of the, you know, the, the centre-backs. And that role suits him. He plays plays it well. He's, he's big, he's strong, he's good on the ball. You know, he's not going to be chasing through the midfield and, and getting into the box on the end of stuff. He's not that type of player. But, yeah, I think he's probably played about, about 15, 20 games for us in, in a year. So... <laughs> It's, it, I do like him. I, I remembered him playing for yourselves, and I always thought he was a good player. So I was quite excited when we signed him. And, and we got him from Stoke, and I know Stoke fans weren't too happy that he'd left either. The, but I think he'd had injury problems whilst he was at Stoke. Um, maybe, you know, um, I don't know really. <laughs> so uh, it's just one of them. Uh, w- will he be starting again? That's another another question. I don't know if he'll be starting or not. Tom Naylor was rested last night. Um, Tom Naylor's a really good defensive midfield player, um, very very scrappy type of player, scruffy, but but breaks a lot of attacks up. So we missed him last night for me. Um, I don't know if, if Naylor will be back in the side and Cousins back on the bench or not. So he, he might he might not even be playing. But yeah, he's all right. He's all right. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, if you want to just sort of plug your own podcast right now how can the qpr fans listening uh find you right well we're the progress with unity podcast or pwu podcast at twitter that's the best place to get us um uh we're on all, all we're on spotify and all the, the other platforms are all on there but if you give us a quick follow on twitter uh as soon as the episode's out with um the preview of Saturday's game, uh, which I, I'm sure you'll hear a lot of a lot of mourning on <laughs> after what's happened. You, you might cheer QPR fans up listening to that. Actually, um, it, it'll be out later later tonight, Thursday night. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. Thanks so much for coming on. No problem. Thank you very much. Well, thanks very much to Barry for coming on and giving us such fantastic insight into how Wigan have been going this season and their fortunes so far. So that is it for this week's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. The last thing that we have this week is to do a little shameless plug for Dan's <coughs> programme column. Uh, and thank God Mick Beale has stayed. I think that's the attitude you're taking right now. Yeah, yeah. Um Relieved is an is an understatement. To be fair, tell the listeners what your column's about. Well, it's as you guys probably know, it's about McBill um, and his his tactical flexibility and kind of how that can be a real a real key key thing for us this season. So yeah, if you want to if you want to read it, do check it out. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? Sounds sounds like a man relieved. Um, 
Thank you very much to Dan and Micah for both coming on and uh, going over everything that's happened in this most bizarre of weeks for QPR. Um, you can follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow our generation on that on Twitter. And we encourage you to do that because it's obviously worth your time. Um, leave us a review on whatever platform, <clears throat> excuse me, that you you do uh, use to listen to this podcast. If you are a friend of one of ours and we tell you to leave a review, don't go and sort won't of, be listening. Won't be don't, listening. don't say in the review that you have been told to write the review. Just say that we're a good podcast, please. Leave five stars if you can on Spotify. I think you can do that. Um, we'll leave and take four. We'll, we'll I mean, yeah, we'll, 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 we want five. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, don't go in there if you're going to just be negative. Just just leave it blank if you're not going to do anything. If you, you know, we're five or nothing. Thank you very much. Um, until next time, come when you ask. <laughs>